How's everyone doing this morning? Good. Some of us are there. Some of us, yeah, good, good. I mean, it's a big day today. We got a couple really big things happening today. First, we're finishing up our How to Trust series. Anybody enjoyed this series so far? Anybody enjoyed this? And yeah. And uh, we're going to be talking today about how do I trust the church. Um, and, but there's something else big happening today. There's a big game on today. Yes, the Niners are playing the Cowboys today. And uh, I'm going to give my prediction. See if I'm right. Uh, who thinks the Niners are going to win? Anybody think the Niners are going to win? Who thinks the Cowboys are going to win? <laughs> who doesn't care? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't care. You should care because it, it makes me happy. And so I think, can't remember to say this with those cheers that just happened. I think the Cowboys are going to win today. Yeah, sorry. Dan's a Niners fan. He, said, he almost fired me when I said that. Um, but I, yeah, and like, uh, this should be fun. But as like I said, today we're going to be talking about how do I trust the church. And really, like, going to be talking not so much about how do I trust the organization of the church, but how do I trust the church so much for it to become a priority in my life? I mean, I know it's kind of like speaking to the choir, like, you know, how, you know, trust the church, you're all here. Right, so it's like, you're like, Shane, we're here, we're good, you know? But we're gonna talk more like in depth, why should I trust it and why should it become a priority? But it's interesting because the thing about this world today is we live in a world of options, right? We have a society where there's options for everything. I remember back in the good old days, you know, when like there were cell phones, types of cell phones. There was iPhones and Androids. Now there's like eight Androids and eight iPhones. Uh, you know, there's options for everything. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Like, have you guys ever tried to order food? No? Like, have you ever tried to order food? It is not simple. There are so many options. Let, let me show you. Let me show you. We're going to order food today. Let me show you. We're going to order. We're going to do a little Uber Eats order. Or DoorDash. Here we go. All right. So, we're on DoorDash here. Okay? It should be simple, right? I should just be able to go and order something very simply. We're going to go to my favorite dining establishment, McDonald's. And it's lunchtime, so we are going to pick something to eat. Uh, it's still a little early. Anybody care what, they, what we get here? Breakfast item. Anybody? Come on. Shout it out. No? Okay, I'll pick. Um, so I'm going to do, do a McMuffin. Okay. McMuffin classic. Watch. Click. I should just be able to click on the McMuffin, and that's it, right? But if I add this to my, char my, add this to my cart, here we go. Should just be able to get this McMuffin. But look at these options. You can have it with no butter, no cheese, no sausage, no egg, or no McMuffin. <laughs> How funny would it be if I ordered this and just hit no on everything? <laughs> I would like an order of air, please. That's what I like. So you can have no on everything, or you can have extra butter, America, right? Um, extra cheese, sausage, round egg. Because there's not just one egg. There's a round egg and a folded egg. Two different chickens. Um, you can get extra bacon. And then more. You can get a hash brown. Anybody want a hash brown with this? Okay, hash brown. Here we go. We'll add a hash brown. Oh, <laughs> another option. Do you want a ketchup packet with that hash brown? You guys are helping me. Come on. Yes, I'll, I want ketchup. Okay, we'll save that. Then we got more. I'm going to get extra butter because I love butter. We love that. Um, anything else? 
pickles. Pickles, it's a breakfast sandwich. And then, like I said, the options keep going because now I have to decide what we're going to get to drink. I think I'm going to get, what'd you say? Diet Coke. Okay. Got to be large, right? So, oh, more options. Do we want ice? No ice. More soda. Okay, so we're going to save this. All right, now we're going to order this. Okay, we're actually going to order this and have the Uber Eats driver come to church today. So, um, you know, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to order this order. Here we go. Add. Add this in. Now I go to my cart. I got a hash brown. Let's make sure this all looks right. Sausage, hash brown, Diet Coke. Let's check out. Okay? Do the options in now? No. There's more options. Now we have to decide, do we want regular delivery or expedited delivery, express delivery, but we're just going to order this and we got to decide how much we're going to tip. So let's decide this. It is on Dan's card. So we are going to do 50 bucks. $63. Dan, I hope you're watching. Where do I check out here? Where do I check out? What's happening, guys? We're out of the breakfast time? Eli, where were you the whole time I was doing this? Okay, Joe, do me a favor. Joe, can you order this, Joe, and have him deliver it and just make sure you tip 50 on Dan's card. It's on the same account. Okay, all this to say is there is a lot of options. So we're gonna talk today, why is the church, should it be an option in my life? Why should the church option for me? Why should it be a priority for me. And first we're going to talk about reasons why to trust the church. And I want to say here to start off, not all churches are the same. Not all churches are the same. It is important as I speak today about the church, I'm speaking on how to trust churches that are biblically founded, that are Christ-led, that believe his teachings and do not change the scripture. These are the kind of churches I'm speaking about. Because if we read scripture, there is this thing called false prophets. Acts 20 says this. I know that false teachers, like vicious wolves, will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. This is telling us that we have to learn to trust the church, but we also have to realize that there is people who will come in the name of Jesus and say things in his name that are distorting the truth. We have to be cautious. We have to be vigilant here. And I want to talk, like I said, we're talking about churches that I believe fit the criteria to be a God-honoring church today. And I just want to tell you some reasons why I trust the church How do I trust the church? This is some reasons why I trust the church and I think you should look into. First is this, that the church deals with eternity. The church deals and talks about eternity in a world that is so focused on now, in a world that has tunnel vision, that says right now is the most important thing. The church is one of the few things in the world today that says, you know what? It's not just about now. There's eternity at stake here. 
The church speaks about eternity, and what the church does is it reminds me every time I gather, every time I come to church, the church reminds me that there's something about me, there's something about me that will live for eternity. And it changes the way I view the world, amen? Like it, it, The church reminds me of this, and if I have an eternal focus, and I'm not focused so much on the now, it changes the way I treat people, it changes the way I see the world. It changes the way I see my time. In a world that says like right now matters, buy what you want, get what you want, spend as much as you want now, because you only have now. See, my view is different and the church speaks to that. It reminds me of passages like this in 2 Corinthians. It says this, we do not look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. This is what the church does for me. It helps to remind me to not keep my eyes focused on the now, but to fix my gaze on the things above, on God. Here's the truth, can we just say this? The church is not focused on now, the church is focused on your forever. That's what the church's focus is. And it is so easy, does anybody relate to this in the world we live in today, to look at the world and be overwhelmed with what's going on? To just be like flabbergasted, to just like have no understanding of what I do next, but what the church helps me do is say, you know what, I get that it's crazy, I get that all this stuff is going on, but I serve a God who is above it all and I can fix my eyes on him and trust him in the process. That's what the church helps me do, amen? The church also helps provide a moral compass for me. I don't know about you, I could be the only one in this room that was a different person before finding Jesus. Is this just me? No, like the church has helped shape in me the moral compass that scripture talks about. It's helped, it's helped me shape this moral compass in me that is based off what God says and what his standards are for living. And this moral compass, it, it provides a moral compass and an ethical compass in the midst of a world that is focused on relativism. Have you ever heard that before? The definition of relativism is this. The doctrine that knowledge, truth, and morality exist in relation to culture, society, context, and are not absolute. This is what our world believes, if we're honest. That truths are constantly changing, right? That, that, that things can morph. If culture changes, then the truth has to change with it. If society changes, well, the truth changes with society. What the church helps me do and why I trust the church is the church speaks about a one absolute truth that is Jesus Christ in his word. And it doesn't matter what changes around me, he is the truth. And it helps shape that moral compass in me. In fact, it even says this in John 14, 16, Jesus told them what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Why do I trust the church? Because the church is bold enough to say in a constantly changing environment of truth that there's only one truth, and his name is Jesus. That's why I trust the church. Because it's always changing, and the, tr the church shapes this moral compass in us 
like it did this guy, this guy right here. This is William Wilberforce. Anybody ever heard of him? Not him, that guy. <laughs> it was me for a second there, you know? That's not William. This is William Wilberforce. Look at this guy. Good looking guy. You know, what I find interesting about this is I always wonder how long they had to stay there for this. It's not like today where they just snapped a picture. This is a painting. Did he blink? Did he break character? It's just, I don't know, it's off topic. But this guy, William Wilberforce, was an amazing human. And what the church did for him in his relationship with Christ is before he met Christ and before he got engaged in the church, he was part of a culture where it was the normality, it was common practice, it, it was normal and it was accepted, the idea of the slave trade. He encounters Jesus, William Wilberforce, he encounters Jesus and, and develops this moral compass that Christ changes in him and he becomes the leader of this abolition movement to end this practice. See, this is what it does. That what the church, what Christ does in us and what the church does in us is it takes things that are normal in society and aligns them with the word of God and says, that's not normal. And it changes in us our moral compass. And he went from being someone who it was normal to practice this trade, he engaged with this trade, to someone who gets radically saved, engages with the church and has his compass flipped around and says, you know what, this isn't right. That's why I trust the church. It's because it's willing to say when culture says everything is normal, this is right, that this is accepted. If it doesn't align with the word of God, it's not true. Amen? Number three, reason why I trust the church is the church has produced lasting contributions to humanity. Church has made monumental impacts. The church, the, the body of Christ, has made monumental impacts into humanity, into the world. You know, it, it's interesting. It, the church is one of the institutions that deals with the ultimate issues and provides perspective, even giving dignity to humanity. It speaks to these things. It's made long-lasting impacts do you know that the first hospital came from the church? Came from the Christian movement? And that's just, not, like, that's just not seen in just the Christian world. Even outside of the church, people would say, yes, the Christian movement started the first hospital. It, it came from a time in the Roman Empire that there was a plague going on. The plague was going on, it was spreading around the empire, and almost 30% of the population had died. That's a huge number. And 30% of the population had died. And during this time, it was illegal to be, practice Christianity. It was completely illegal to practice Christianity, not just like it's frowned upon, not just like it's not our norm. Or it was illegal. Jail time, death, all of that. Plague is coming. And not only was it illegal to be a Christian, Christians were actually blamed for the plague. The Roman Empire said it's the Christian's fault that we're having this plague because they refuse to conform to our gods and our ways and now we're being punished. And so think about the persecution the Christian church is under in this moment. And through, even in the midst of this, there's a church in northern Africa led by the bishop named Cyprin. And he does this radical thing where he gathers his flock, he gathers them together, gathers all the people, the medicine, doctors, and all of that, and gives them a call. He says this. He says, it is not a time to where the, the church can only take care of the church. It is time that we take care of the pagan as well. 
And he opened the, they open their arms and they start to practice this idea of hospitality. Huh? Hospitality, arms open, allowing them to come in, even the ones who are persecuting them. And it says, Cyprus called this flock to act with heroic charity during the plague, insisting that Christian doctors must give care not only to the fellow believers, but also their pagan neighbors. He said this quote as well. There is nothing remarkable in cherishing merely our own people. We should love our enemies as well. The good done to all, not merely to the household of faith. And most people believe, and most theologians believe, and most people of science believe that this is the, 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 the genesis of the modern day hospital. The church led that charge. And the church has been doing this for generations, interacting with the world around it and impacting it. Think about just this church, Grace Church. We had a campaign just a few years ago called Hope First. That campaign shaped the way that people view addiction in our community. We led that. And it didn't just shape that. As we became collected with other organizations, there was something that happened really special out of that. We kind of were part of this charge to keep kids and their mothers together while their mothers were in recovery. And that thing that we kind of led in that has shaped how people view addiction. So I'm telling you, why do I trust the church? It's because the church is the one for generations that when things were falling apart was willing to step in and engage. When most organizations would flee, the church would run in. That's why I trust the church. And here's the main reason why I trust the church. Maybe some of you have been waiting for me to say this one. Here's why I trust the church. Because Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. Why do I trust the church? Because I'm not in charge. Christ is in charge. When you read scripture, it puts it this way. 1 Corinthians says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you has a part of it. And when you jump to the book of Ephesians, it reads, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more like who? Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing full in love. The church body is us, but we are not in charge. I don't know why this excites me so much. Why do I trust the church? It's because it's not ran, it's not led by my limited human understanding. It is not led by my decision making. A good church is one that is submitted before an almighty God and is open to him speaking and whatever he says goes and is willing to say, you are the, the head of this body, Jesus. He is the head. We are the body. That's why I trust the church. While every, most other, every organization in the world and throughout history has been led by man, the church has not. It has stood thousands of years through many trials and tribulations because it was not led by man, but it was put in place by our Savior. Amen? That's why I trust the church and why I think gives, you should lean into trusting the church. Now I want to talk briefly about why, why church should be a priority. 
Why should church be a priority for you? And I know there's groups of people in here, maybe some of you, like you're like, you're here, you know, but you're not really engaged in the church. Some of you might have been coming for years, but maybe the priority scale isn't there. I'm saying I think that the church should hold a high level of priority in our life. That it should be up there, that it should be, that it should be something that is in the priority scale of our life, not just something we get to when we have time, not something that's sacrificed when something else comes up. I think it needs to be a high priority, and there's a reason for that. Here's why I think this. Well, first, before I get to my points, here's how a lot of us view the church. We come to church, we have a good moment, sometimes we hear a good message. That's, that's supposed to be a joke. Sometimes we hear a good message. There it is. <laughs> and and we, we go home and we leave. And we think that's church. And we have this view of the church as, hey, they got everybody they need. They, they got everything figured out. I just need to attend, go there, and I go home. And they don't need me. I, I want you to hear me say this. You are valuable. You are valuable. Every one of you. And we gotta not just take our approach at the church to say, I'm gonna step back and just observe. We are called to engage with the church. So here's why I think it should be a priority. First part is this. It should be a priority because we have a role. Each one of us has a role to play in the church. Each one of us has a place, a calling, a specific role designed for each of us to play in the church. It says this in Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's what? Let's put it here. We are God's what? Masterpiece. Doesn't that feel good? You're a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece created by a perfect God for a specific reason. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You have a role here. You have a role in the church that you were perfectly created for. And if you aren't engaging and using that, there's a part of the church that's missing out. You're not designed just to exist in this building. You are designed to engage with the body of Christ, to use your gifts and your talents, to fulfill a calling God has put in your life not just to exist, amen? Second thing is this, why it should be important. First, we have a role. Second, we are called to grow. As believers, we are called to grow in our faith. I know this might be radical to hear, but when we accept Christ and we step into his forgiveness like we talked about last week, when we step into his forgiveness and under his ruling for our life, we are not supposed to stay the same. We're supposed to change. A chiseling process begins where God takes his chisel and his hammer and he begins to chip away at the areas of our life that need changing. Oftentimes, this is how a lot of us approach church and growth and change. I love the forgiveness part, right? I love when he speaks about eternity. That's awesome. But when the when we got, start talking about change and habits and changing the way I lead and 
changing the way I treat my family and changing the way I treat my enemies, choosing, whoa, hold up. We are called and we need to change. As a follower of Christ, I am not called to stay the same. I am supposed to walk closer and closer to being like and looking like Christ every day. That's what I'm called to do. As he chisels away the areas of my life. I mean, a lot of you know this passage in uh, Proverbs 27, 17. It says this, as iron sharpens iron, right? As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. You are supposed to be sharpened here and you're supposed to sharpen others. You're supposed to be made more into the image of Christ yourself. You're supposed to practice this practice of growing and you are supposed to sharpen others. The church is here for you to grow. And I know, like I said, there's options, there's things we do in the world that take priority. But when we are not engaged in the body of Christ, we are missing out on opportunities of growth. We're missing out on opportunities to become more like Christ. The third reason is this. Because we're stronger together. We are stronger together. The body of Christ is stronger when they come together. We can do large impacts and impact the world in amazing ways and do things when we come together. I know you've heard a lot about next week, October 15th, for the last couple weeks. I'm gonna say it again. Gotta be here next week. We are really gonna be talking about when the church comes together and unifies, we're gonna be talking about where we are going and what impacts we're gonna be doing. But the church is, there it is. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thank you. Does Dan know? Does Dan know? Do you say anything? No, okay. Anybody want this? Do you want this? Come on. Come on, here you go, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Thank you, you're welcome. That's fun. That's fun. I'm going to order every Sunday. Just every Sunday, I'm going to order lunch. Where was I? We're stronger together. We are stronger together. When we come together in unity, we're stronger. I mean, I read this passage in 1 Peter 5, 8. So stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He prowls and he looks and he's trying to separate and to kill us and to break us off from the herd. But when we come together, we're stronger. I know I was someone who was raised around cattle farming and um, many different flocks of sheep and goats and everything. There's something interesting most farmers do. During seasons, they send their flock off to graze where they take them out of the pasture and they will send them up into the wilderness just to graze freely, no fences or anything. And they'll eat the wildlife and everything. But it's very interesting because when you see a flock of cattle or goats or whatever, when the sun begins to set and night begins to fall, what do they do? They group up. They group up and they usually put the the weakest or the youngest in the middle and the strong ones stay on around the outside to protect from the predators of the night. 
Why should church be important for you? Because you're not designed to do this alone. You are designed to be a part of a herd, part of a group that rallies together. And I hate to say this, but it's true. The enemy hates us, hates us, is mad at us, is trying to stop us. He has for generations. But when we come together and we unite under the banner of Christ as the head of our body and we come together and huddle up, he will not prevail. When, when we try to break off and do it on our own, he can pick us off. But when we come together and we submit to Jesus, he can try, but he won't win. He can try, but he won't win. Last point here. We're stronger together and we're called to help each other out. We are called to help each other. Galatians 6.2 says this, share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Share each other's burdens. Look around everybody. everybody. Just take a moment, don't talk, don't say anything, just look around. Look to the other side of the building. Look at the people over there. Maybe even turn around, look about, say hi to the people on the balcony. Say hi to the people way up there in the bleachers. Say hi to everybody. Look around, really try to see someone maybe you've never seen before. While you're doing this, I want you to think about something. You are called to be here for that person. You are called to be here for that person who's on the other side of the room, that you've never talked to, that you've never seen. The body of Christ is coming, needs to come together and stop saying, this is, I'm just gonna stand in my own, but to say, I'm gonna be a part of something that comes together and helps each other out. We live in a world that says, you are the most important. Your safety, you gotta make sure you're good. Forget everything else. Don't help people, you just take care of you. The church has to be the voice that speaks against that. That says, I am willing to sacrifice my own needs to help that person. I am willing to lay down my own wants to help that person. Because if they are a part of my body, they are a part of my family. And if they are a fellow follower of Christ, we are brothers and sisters united under his name. And I am with them. We are called to do this together. Not alone. Whatever you gotta do to make, the, we have this big sign outside. Do you guys see that it says what? home. This is not an apartment that you're renting. This is not a vacation. This is not a timeshare. This is home. This is home. You are a part of this home and you have a role to play in this home. You are needed in this home. The city of Reno needs this home to be unified to be mission-driven, to be passionate and together, to continue to see the impacts the church is designed to do. Amen? Let me close with this. Like I said, the reason why I mostly trust the church is Christ is in charge. Man, the church has faced persecution for generations. 
still here. The church has had enemies for generations. It's still here. It's faced thousands of years of wars and battles. It's still here. The church has had people try to corrupt it from the inside. It's still here. The church has made mistakes. It's still here. The church has gone through a lot, but it is still here. You want to know why? Because Christ owns the church. Christ owns the church. This whole series, this whole series has been how to trust. We've talked about how to trust leadership, how to trust your Bible, how to trust the church, how to trust forgiveness. And some of you are saying, well, Shane, how do you trust in general? I got a simple answer. I trust all these things because I trust God. I trust God. I trust God that when he says his word is his word, it's true. I trust God that when he designed the church the way he designed it, it is true. I trust God over any authority or any power. So when he tells me to submit to him, I believe it's true. I trust God over everything else. So how do I trust? I trust God. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we praise you. Thank you for speaking to us and pulling us into trust and learning how to trust. I pray that we would make church a priority, that we would, that we would make this something in us that's not just something we do, but we would see it as how you designed it. Help us trust in you in the future. Help us keep our eyes on things above. Help us trust you more. Father, we love you and we praise you. In your son's name, amen.